and the praise today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, band. Um, good morning, church. Before I start, um, I just want us all quickly, if we can, we're just going to collectively pray as a church uh, for what's going on in Israel, the war in Israel. Um, so I've put up some points there. It's very small, but it basically says Israel, prayer for salvation and for peace. So if you'd be so kind as you just turn to someone next to you, someone that you're comfortable with, to pray with, um, and let's just pray for the hearts of those um, afflicted in this war, for those that really do not know the Lord, um, that need Him in their lives. And let's also pray for the peace of that nation and for the peace of those um, suffering. We freely get to be here today, to be in this place in the Lord, and, and we do not have to fear for our lives as we, as we leave this place. But um, yeah, so let's all just turn together, let's just pray, and let's just trust the Lord. We'll give five minutes for that. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that we can bring this nation before you this morning, and we pray, Father, for the salvation of those who are lost, who do not know you yet. 
We pray, Lord, for your mighty hand to rule and, and reign over those people, Father, to instill hearts of peace, not only in that country, Lord, but in every heart that walks in that country. Father, thank you that we can come together and pray as a nation, collectively, as a people, Lord, for Israel. And we bring them before you this morning. And we thank you, Father, that your word is faithful, that you are faithful and just, and that you hear our prayers as we bring them to you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, so when I was a young man, uh, my very first car, my brother knows the story, was a, a little, it was a Honda Ballard, but there were times when um, fuel was low in that car, and you could feel it. The car would go like this, and it would cut and dim out, and that's how my voice sounds this morning. So I apologize for that. So sometimes it might cut out a little, um, but praise God, I have John there at the back. It will get better, I promise. Um, but I'm very excited to be here this morning and to share part two of uh, the series that Pastor Vanna started last week, and it's nearer, and it's drawing nearer to the Lord. So um, before I start, I just want us to pray again, if we can just all close our eyes. Yeah, Father, thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Thank you that even since we put our feet in this building, Lord, we could tangibly feel your ear with us. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue in your word, as we continue to hear what you have to say, Lord, that your truth will be revealed to us in our hearts and that it will grow in our hearts, Lord, and that we will really draw near to you and we will become closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us. And we pray that you will open our ears and open our hearts, open our hearts and open our eyes to your truth, to your glory. Thank you that you are here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, uh, Pastor Werner so powerfully kicked us off with, off with this concept of drawing nearer to the Lord. And he started with Jacob and um, Jacob having a dream. Jacob, a man persecuted this account in, in Genesis 28. And Jacob was persecuted, hated, and despised by his brother. And he was fleeing for his life. And he was sleeping. And, and in a dream, the Lord comes and the Lord meets him where he is at. Um, in the middle of nowhere, the Lord gives him this dream of, a, of heaven opening up and a, and a, a stairwell or a, a ladder of sorts coming down from heaven to earth. And we see this image of angels descending and ascending up and down this ladder. And the, the beautiful thing about that part in Scripture is as Jacob comes to the realization of, of this dream, the Lord is telling him and affirming him that he, he truly desires to make his dwelling place on this earth. And that revelation becomes real in Jacob's heart, and Jacob changes. And the wonderful thing is all throughout Scripture, we see God's faithfulness all the way to Jesus Christ, where He actually Himself comes and affirms that He is that stairwell. He is that ladder between heaven and earth. And we see the account in John 1, verse 51. And this is where, just at the end, where Jesus is calling all His disciples it's basically him getting his team together and kicking off his ministry. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, year after, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What an opening statement. God's fulfillment through his Son, Jesus Christ. That stairway, that mediator between heaven 
and the earth is here for us. Pastor Vanna mentioned last week that God loved us first. And moreover, more than that, He's inviting us to draw near to Him. It's an open invitation. You see, God was faithful in His promise, and He sent His Son to the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but today is also just such a good example. As we continue on this journey on this earth, um, I've come to realize it is to my own benefit to draw near to the Lord. Can I get an amen for that? It is to our own benefit that in the good times and in the bad that we stay close to the Lord. We need Him. We need to draw near to Him. The example we heard last week was a powerful example of, of a man called Wallace Hartley. His name is not on there, but that's the man. He was the worship leader of sorts. He was the, the band leader on the Titanic, and he played the violin. And as the ship sank, they started to play, Nearer my God to Thee. There's the eyewitness accounts, written accounts of this. And what initially was a gesture to calm the people and the passengers around them as the ship was sinking, I'm sure resonated with his own heart as he knew the fate that he was about to face as the ship was going down. Staying close to Jesus in difficult times. We can either get caught up in the currents of this life, the things of this world. We can look to our problems. We can get caught up in those currents. Or we can be free in the streams of living water if we draw near to Jesus Christ. And that's really what I want to get at today. You see, in the good seasons, in the seasons of our lives, and, and we heard it so powerfully last week, and we know this, if things are going great with us, things are going good, I'm making target at work, financially, everything is working, my health is okay, my health is fine, it's easy to draw near to the Lord. There's not much taking your focus away you're not really focused on any negative things, but it's in those challenging times, those times of adversity. The difficult times in our lives. That is truly where we are called to press in and draw near to the Lord. And that's what I want to get at today. For those of us sitting in this room, if we find ourselves in a challenging time, a time of weakness, uh, a time of, of, of severe anxiety, as Pastor Vanna brought that word, it's, it's so precious that he, he brought that word, that the Lord is calling us to bring our hearts before Him and, and to cast all our anxieties, all our fear, all our tribulations, all the things that we are struggling with, to bring it to the feet of Jesus. If you're in a sinking ship scenario, I want to encourage you today, I want you to listen closely. Heaven has drawn near to us so that we can draw near to the Father. Now, the main scripture that I want to read today comes from Mark 5. And this account is in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Mark 5 just puts it so beautifully, I think, suited for, for the season that, that this world, that the world finds itself in. And I'm going to read from verse 21. It says, Now when Jesus had crossed again, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus was his name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet 
and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him, pressed up against him, surrounded them. And then we read, Verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. Now, I just quickly want to pause there for a few moments. Immediately in the scripture, we, we have to do, we get to meet two very contrasting people. We see a man called Jairus, a synagogue leader, probably a well-respected man, a well-known man in his environment, an educated man. It's a man with a family. He has a daughter, and later in the story, you'll hear he has a wife, and they have a home. He has a house, so he obviously has a little bit of finances as well. And then on the other side, totally in contrast, we have this woman in a deep affliction that she's been suffering with, that she's been suffering for 12 years. A severe adversity, it's a, it's a, was seen as a disease. She was seen and labeled as unclean. She was an outcast. The law at the time actually said this woman was impure and anything she touched or anyone she came in contact with would also be seen as impure. So no one would get close to her. She was an outcast. She had to stay outside of the city. Severe suffering for 12 years. Two very different people, very different backgrounds both facing a life-threatening scenario, a predicament that led them to push through and fall at the feet of Jesus. In verse 28, it says, for, for she said, the woman, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed from her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone from him, turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see, to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Such a powerful image of someone in severe affliction, the deepest of turmoil, feeling at the end of her line, at the end of her rope. Despite all the odds, despite everything that's against her, we see someone pushing through the crowd, going totally against the current, going totally against all that makes sense to fall at the feet of Jesus. Now, a few points of observation, and there are many in this, in this encounter, but the first one that really stood out for me as I, 
as I meditated and prayed about this, is that we should not focus on the crowd. You can put that first slide up there. Do not focus on the crowd. When we draw near to Jesus, we should not focus on the crowd around us. We can draw near to him despite our surroundings. Our afflictions can either bring us closer to Jesus or they can take us further away from him if we focus on the wrong place. See, do not let the picture of, of what you see around us, if you are going through a, a challenging time in your life, if you are facing trials or adversity, which I'm sure most of us here at some point have or are still facing, instinctively, one of man's first things that we do is we take a look at the crowd around us. We measure up the, the vastness of just how big our lack is, and we focus according to that. But Scripture tells us that we should not, not look around to the crowd around us, not focus on those people in our midst as we go through this, but that we should go forth and focus on Jesus. Don't allow man-made barriers in your life to prevent you from pressing on and pressing through the crowd. Don't draw near to the crowd. That word suffered in verse 26 that this woman faced, the, the Greek word for that, it's called pasco, but it, what it actually describes is not just the physical suffering, but it's a suffering of mind and emotion as well. This woman faced trials and tribulations on different levels, physical, spiritual, emotional. She had all the reason to look away from Jesus. She had all the reason to focus on the crowd. We all face these things at some point. Some of us are going through all of these things. Some of us are going through something physical in our lives. Some of us are going through something spiritual, financial, and some way these things are all entangled. They all get caught up in, it, in each other's influence spheres. But no matter what we face, physical, spiritual, emotional. Jesus is there in the crowd. We can push through. Do not for a moment think what you are going through is not worth his time. It's really something heavy on my heart, and I cannot say it enough this morning. Do not for a moment think that what you are facing in this world is not worth Jesus' time. You are worth his time. We have this powerful invitation in scripture. In Isaiah 55 verse 1, the Lord speaks and he says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. And then Jesus echoes this in Matthew 11 verse 28 to, 20, to 30. Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everyone who thirsts, come to me all who labor. The invitation is for everyone, not just some. Jesus is calling. 
He's inviting you to come to Him. What are you facing today? What are you going through today? What is your affliction? Jesus said, you can come. You can come. Where are you bleeding? How's your marriage? How's your family? How's your finances? How's your health? You're invited to draw near to Jesus. Don't face it alone. Don't look to the crowd. Don't focus on the crowd. Fix your eyes to the author and the finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ. Another point that I have observed that I truly feel the Lord wants us to, to meditate on is, except for the fact that we should not just focus on the crowd. You can go to this slide. The second point is, Jesus wants you to fall at his feet. Fall at his feet. See, how much we draw near to Jesus is, is, is not as important as to who we draw near to. You've, you've heard that saying that says it's not how much faith you have, but the one in who, who, is your, who your faith is placed in. Where is your faith? To draw near to Jesus, to push through the crowd, is going to take momentum. We know the scripture in James 4 verse 8, and we'll read it later again. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's going to take momentum. You're going to have to do this. That woman had all the reason to not do that. She probably has done that for a long time. But we are going to have to initiate from our side movement towards him. We have to start moving through the crowd. This woman knew the risk she took. Both her and the synagogue leader, Jairus, went to the feet of Jesus. And moreover, Scripture tells us, in all three accounts, they fell at the feet of Jesus. In Matthew's account of this, we actually read that the synagogue leader worshipped at Jesus' feet. That Greek word is proskunio. I know the word. I've gone through that word in worship so many times. It's such a rich word. It means to fall prostrate and, and to bring homage to and reverence to, to ascribe worth to the Lord. If our ships are sinking, are we jumping ship or are we worshiping the Lord? Are we falling at his feet? Are we ascribing worth to him? Are we acknowledging him as the only one worthy to be worshipped and praised? Acknowledging that he's the one that we come to, that we bow down to, that we bow our hearts to. To say he's the only one that can provide for us in this affliction. We have to ask ourselves, when times are tough, where do we run to? Where do we go to? You see, not drawing near to Jesus is drawing near to this world. In 1 Peter 5, from verse 6 to 8, we read, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. 
Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brother throughout the world. When we worry about something, and that's why it was so profound when Pastor Anna brought that word, and I knew the Lord is speaking today. When we worry about something, it takes a form of pride in our lives because we are saying that our problems and our issues, we are taking it upon ourselves and we are not trusting the Lord with it. Instead of giving it to God, we are keeping it to ourselves. But scripture says, humble yourselves. What does that humble look like? By casting all your anxieties onto him. That is by coming to Jesus in humility, by falling at his feet in worship, bowing under his mighty hand and saying, Lord, in my own strength, I cannot do this. Lord, in my own strength, I cannot go through this. I need you. That is drawing near to Jesus. That is drawing near to Jesus. When we humble ourselves by placing all our anxieties and our fear onto him. Not onto a man-made thing. Not keeping it to ourselves. Giving it to Jesus. That's admitting that, Lord, only you can help me. I don't have the strength in my own capacity. Only you can help me. Only you can heal me. Only you can restore me. And that scripture tells us that in our states of vulnerability, the devil is coming for you. He wants you to fall at his feet. He wants you to succumb to temptation and he wants you to sin. Scripture is warning us that we must be spiritually alert. We must be vigilant because he is walking around. But Scripture does not leave us there with no hope. That's not how God's word works. That's not how God's kingdom works. There is hope. We do not have to be afraid of him because we have been given the power to resist him. Through Jesus Christ, by being firm in our faith, being firm in your faith, firm is unmoving, unwavering, standing still, holding on to. The scripture we've heard so many times now, James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But it's preceded by this powerful scripture that says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. By submitting to God and resisting the devil, he will flee. We draw near to God. And if God is there and I am here, if I stand here, I'm near to him, and he's near to me. What are you reaching for when the pressure is on? Where are you going when you are vulnerable, when you are weak, when you are bleeding? Who are you listening to? 
If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. We are called to reach out to the garment of Jesus. To push through the crowd and to fall at his feet. Not at the world's feet. The story continues in Mark 5 from verse 35. It says, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher further? As soon as Jesus heard these words spoken, he said to this ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw this tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. There was a crowd of mourners there. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they really killed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita Akumi, which translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. The final point that I want to reiterate today, and there are so many more, I really want to encourage you as well. Go and read this scripture for yourself. Ask the Lord to show you these truths. But what stood out for me here is pushing through the crowd and falling at his feet. Jesus draws near to us. Jesus draws near to us. He's never too busy to meet you in your needs. He's never too busy. He was busy walking with the synagogue leader to his house. And then he healed this woman. And then after that, he does this miracle. He's always walking with us. He's never too busy. There is nothing you face today in this world that is impossible for Jesus. Our impossible is his possible. That's just how it is. We see it all throughout Scripture. Whatever you are facing today, whatever trial, whatever challenge, however bleak, however impossible, Jesus is calling you, and he's saying, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, put your name in there, only believe. Where this world cries hopelessness and death, Jesus cries hope and life. He claims that victory. Despite the crowd that ridiculed him, this is so powerful, despite the crowd that ridiculed him, he put them outside. Let Jesus put your crowd outside. Let him silence the voice of the hopeless in your life. Not the world. Jesus will put your crowd outside. If we faithfully come to him in our times of need, in our times of crisis, in the times that we truly feel we are bleeding, he will put our crowds outside. The negativity, the hopelessness, the noise of this world will drown out. We will hear his voice when we draw near to him.
And he will say, do not be afraid. Only believe. And then he will say, arise. Arise. And many times, the things that we go through, the challenges, the adversities that we face, face in this world, we have to ask ourselves, what does our crowd look like? Are we focusing on them? Are we running to the crowd, running to this world? Or are we running to Jesus? Are we pushing through? Ask the band, you guys can come up with your... Do not listen to the crowd. Do not listen to the crowd. Listen to Jesus. Do not seek counsel. Do not seek guidance that will make you feel good about your situation in that moment. That is only going to lead to temporary happiness. And once that wears off, you're going to feel worse off. Seek the truth. Go to someone that you trust that you know will speak the truth in love. It will speak the words of Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. That leads to freedom. That leads to healing. That leads to restoration. You see, in the world's eyes, your afflictions might make you feel like an outcast. The things that you are going through, according to this world, might make you feel it's not worth Jesus' time. It's not worth mentioning, I must just power through this on my own. I must just deal with it and be strong. And Jesus is saying, no. Jesus is saying, do not be afraid. Cast all your anxieties and fear onto me. Yoke with me. Yoke with me. That's hooking in with me. Move with me. Staying close to him. That is what he's calling us to. In the eyes of the world, you might be an outcast. In the eyes of the world, you might be seen as someone that is going through something. And it may feel at times that you're being judged. It may feel at times that you are unclean. But Jesus is saying, you are my son and you are my daughter. And I have called you. I say, come to me. Come to me. Place your burdens onto me. Bring your anxieties onto me. Where are you bleeding today? What are you going through? Jesus is saying, bring that to me. Push through the crowd. Draw near to him. Fall at his feet. And see him draw near to you. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in your heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we can all for a few moments just close our eyes.
If you feel today in this place that you are facing a crowd, you're going through something and you feel the crowd around you is just too much and it's too difficult, I want to invite you today to see Jesus standing in the middle of that crowd waiting for you to touch his garment, calling you, desiring you to draw near to him, to place your focus onto him, to fall at his feet, not focusing on anyone else, anything else, but on him. I want to make an invitation out. I'm not going to call anyone to the front. Just if we can all just remain with our eyes closed for a few moments. If you are yet to reign in this place and you feel you are associating with this woman or, or this synagogue leader and you are facing something and you've done any, everything you can, but it's just not being sorted out. It's just not working. I want to ask you to put your hand up. And just by doing this, I'm going to pray with you. But more than that, you are saying, here I am, Jesus. Here is my hand. Pull me up. Grab hold of me. Hold on to me. Reach out to him. Father, we thank you for all these hands that are going up in this room. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Thank you that you draw near to us. I pray for every hand, Father. Every heart in this place that is going up now, Lord, you see them. You know them. You know what they are going through. I pray, Lord, that you will encourage them, that they will truly see that you are with them, that you are walking with them on this road, that you are journeying with them through this crowd, that they are not alone. I pray, Lord, for your strength. I pray, Lord, for your provision. I pray, Lord, for your hope for your peace to rule and reign in their bodies. I pray, Lord, that even as, as this day concludes, as this service concludes, Lord, that something that has started in our hearts to just once again, just to put that one foot forward. We pray, Lord, for that momentum to grow. We pray for that momentum to grow, that tomorrow it will be two steps. The day after it will be 10 steps. And as soon as we are before we can know it, we are running. We are running to you. I pray that for each hand, for each person in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Thank you that your word is true. As we sang this morning so beautifully, you are able. We lift you up because you defeated the grave. You were raised to life. You are able. We hold on to that promise. We hold on to that promise. Thank you, Lord, that we can draw near to you and you to us. And we just glorify you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If anyone wants prayer, we are going to remain in front. I'm going to ask a few of the small group leaders as well. If you want us to pray for something specifically, don't neglect this opportunity. Let someone pray with you. Um, let someone trust the Lord with you, whatever it is that you are going through. For the rest of you, you are welcome to, to quietly go outside and enjoy a coffee. Thank you for coming today. Bless you. Amen.